technology is only getting better. Everything's going online. Everything's done through electronics. That only helps the scammers on their side, you know, because it's really easy to get targeted. Introducing the Protectors. Inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI. Leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mark Solomon and Chairman of the Board Michael Carroll. Hello everybody, this is Mike Carroll, International Chairman of the International Association of Financial Crimes Investigators. I am with Mark Solomon, our international president. Mark, how you doing today? Mike, I'm doing great. And, uh, you know, we're coming up on something very special. Uh, we're just before our 50th episode of the Protectors podcast. So we're really excited. And that's actually going to come out during our international conference down in Tampa. So really looking forward to that. Same here, Mark. I'm really looking forward to our 50th episode. Mark, this is going to be a great show because I was thinking, you know, we try to provide best training and education, not only to members of the IFCI, but to the public. And when you talk about training, we brought in so many subject matter experts on all the different types of frauds and scams. And then when you think about education, we've done this in the past. We brought in those that have been victims or potential victims of frauds and scams. And that's what we have today. Right, Mark? Yeah, Mike, this one uh, actually uh, hits close to home. Uh, I know this young gentleman and his family and uh, through a, a work relationship over the years. And um, he is willing to come on the show and talk about how he was targeted in an impersonation scam. And it uh, involved pretty much all of his life savings as a young adult. And uh, there's a happy ending to this story, but we'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah, I'm really excited to have uh, Christian here. So I want to welcome Christian to the Protectors Podcast. Hi, this is uh, Christian. Uh, I had the circumstances where I actually went through a case where I got scammed and there was a fraud that ended up happening through my bank account. Um, and I appreciate being on this podcast to tell everybody my story. Well, thanks, Christian. And um, I know this was uh, probably and, and still is a stressful situation for you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, without giving out any personal information, but if you could tell us your approximate age and uh, what you're doing right now in life? Yeah. So I'm actually a college student right now. I'm in my mid-20s. I, I work early in the mornings and then I go to school later in the afternoons. Oh, that sounds like a busy schedule. And uh, Mike, I don't know. We don't have those schedules anymore. We're much older, but and it sounds like you're very active and uh, probably don't get a lot of sleep. Yeah, but I still <laughs> miss those days. Yeah. Hey, Christian, can I ask you how this all started? You know, usually scams are a text or an email and even the mail, not as much as in the past. But uh, how did this start? How did you get involved in the scam? Yeah, so actually, like we were saying, I work early mornings. I was, they caught me on a day where I was very, very exhausted from uh, the amount of work I was put into. Uh, it was actually a phone call is what I received. It was pretty interesting because it was a phone call that had a label saying the name of my bank that I actually had my account to. And I thought it was my bank. And at the end of the story, we find out <laughs> it was actually scammers. Wow. And Christian, when you say, so it, it showed up on your caller ID on the screen uh, and it said your bank name? Correct. Yeah. So the caller ID is labeled the, the bank name. 
but definitely had me for for a real world there. Hey, Mark, we call that spoofing where you receive a call or a text from a financial institution, and it is that number of that institution, right? Yeah, it could be the actual number for the institution. And basically, there's apps out there for your phones and, and even for VOIP phones to you know make a phone call and show on the caller ID any name or any phone number. So it's a, a tool that the fraudsters uh, use to legitimize the scheme or the phone call. You're right, Mark. It doesn't necessarily actually come from that financial institution, but they could set up a number to make it appear to come from that financial institution. Yeah. Yeah, they're actually calling on their burner phones or VOIP phones uh, they commonly use. But on your screen, it's going to show up, you know, with the bank name or it could be a police department. It could be um, a charity. So, uh, you know, I always tell people never, ever trust anything you see on your caller ID screen. Hey, Christian, you were right. I I mentioned that these scams, uh, the fraudsters use uh, a text or an email or even, you know, the U.S. mail. But you're right, the phone. That's the number one way they get a hold of you to involve you in these types of frauds and scams. So thanks for pointing it out. No, yeah, you guys hit it on the dot when you said it was spoofing because that's exactly what happened is it, they labeled it as Wells Fargo. And I even checked and verified with the website to see if that was the contact hub list. And they even got the correct phone number to show as well. So it was a double whammy. It had the bank name and it had the correct phone number. So, Christian, I commend you uh, because you actually did independent research to make sure that the phone number showing up on your caller ID was actually the phone number for your bank. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Uh, As tired as I was, I wanted to make sure since there was mentioned anything involved with my money that I was actually talking to somebody from Wells Fargo because I won't lie. I before this actually happened, the scam, I actually happened to lose my wallet a few days before. So that also made me a little bit more wary and believe that there might have been actually something going on. So I did go back and look to see if the number was correct. And the number was right. The name was right. And uh, yeah, I believed that that was the bank that I belonged to. So I was all ears for sure. Hey, Christian, let me ask you, was that a live call or was that, was that one of those robocalls, you know, recorded call that you received? Um. I believe it was a live call because it didn't have any static or anything. He had a very easy pronunciation of a voice that was clear to tell, like, every word he was saying as he was guiding me through the whole process. Um, very non-accented voice. It was very clear for me to hear what he was saying. Okay. So let me ask you, what did they instruct you to do then? What, what was the content of the call? So for me, what it was was that I had fraud happening on my account from another location and that money was being pulled out and that it was already being processed and that I wasn't going to be able to see if I were to go onto my account that it was being processed and pulled out and that he was going to have the bank that he was at reimburse me for the money that was already being lent out. So obviously, you you know, believing this was your bank calling you, you know, to to stop this fraud. What were their instructions to do? Uh, what did they ask you specifically to do? Yeah, so I had some normal, common information that I would use to suspect for, you know, a scam or fraud. Like I said, I would look up a number to see if it matched or whatnot. So I was waiting for like questions for like maybe a social security my address and all those other things. 
But instead, it, it just ended up redirecting me to a section on my app for what is called the transfer wire, because that's what I ended up getting scanned for. And he just helped me guide pretty much my money out of my own bank account to his account, but told me it was actually going to be the bank putting money from their account into my account. Okay, so they didn't ask for your your PII, your personal identifying information, nor did they ask for your account number? No, they already had my name. They were like, is this so-and-so? And I was like, yep, this is me. And they were like, okay, you have some fraud. And in order for me to get my money that was potentially being taken out of my account, that they would give me an account number to reimburse me from the bank that I belong to. And after getting that account number, I put it in. I put in the amount that they said was being taken out of my account. And that was going to be the number that they were going to reimburse me with. And what ended up happening was after I hit submit, instead of money coming to my account, money actually ended up leaving my account, which definitely, definitely hit the soul pretty hard when I saw that number drop. Christian, just to follow up on that, were you thinking that you were sending those funds to another account at that bank in your name that they set up? So what they told me is that uh, I was sending not money away from my account, but more like requesting money from their bank account into my bank account. And what ended up happening was I was so exhausted. It was such a bad day. I was just the biggest yes man which was definitely a fault in me but luckily after everything that happened situated out i picked up on it called wells fargo back yeah and christian this is actually a pretty unique scheme because a lot of the times the impersonator the bank employee impersonator is asking you to take your money and send it to another account maybe because it's compromised and you know there's internal involvement so, you know, to protect your money, we, we needed to wire it out. But they, under their scheme, they were telling you, hey, you know, the money's already gone, but we're going to make you whole, and we need you to do this on your phone in order to receive the money that was stolen. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. That is exactly wow, what wow. ended up happening, yeah. And, Mike, you know, it's just amazing how many different scams that are out there, variations of it. This is a... This is the one I've, I've never heard before, uh, you know, and, and it, to- it makes total sense. So uh, it's just the ingenuity of these fraudsters. I hate to give them any credit, but, you know, they're constantly looking for new ways to uh, target victims. And, Christian, they use that, um, you know, this is an emergency. You got to act quickly. And, you know, there you are. You know, you got a busy day. You're at school. You got 100 things on your mind, you know, and they keep on. T- you got to do this quick. Got to do this quick. And that's how these scams work. So, Christian, from what the fraudster did, was there any one particular thing that he said to you or did during the conversation that may, you know, really put you over the edge that this is really my financial institution reaching out to me? Yeah, so it's actually a good point you make that because it was, like I said, he guided me the whole way and I was very trusting him through the whole process. Um, I would have to totally agree that I think that his voice was probably definitely a big, uh, factor into why I believed into him. There was no accent and he like, which is wrong for me, I guess, to assume now that I know, because I mean, 
a lot of the common things that you hear, at least from what I would hear from research and stuff, is like, oh, people would say, listen for accents. That's usually one big factor to find out whether you're talking to somebody who's going to scam you. So his accent was not there whatsoever. He was just a plain English-speaking man of a voice, and it was very subtle and easy. Like, the confidence was there. There's no, like, nervousness. He didn't stutter or anything. He just spoke very clearly to me as he was helping me out through the process. And it just only helped more when I was tired, had already lost some credentials to my bank account prior to this phone call. It just was all lining up perfectly. Hey, Christian, that's a good point because the way you said that the caller sounded is just like any other customer service from any other bank, financial, or credit card company. Very professional, right? Correct. Yep. And Mike, you know, you bring up a good point too here is, you know, a lot of people always think that these crimes are only committed by people overseas in a different country. But, you know, a lot of these crimes are committed right here in the United States by bad actors. And then the other thing, Christian, you know, nowadays fraudsters can use an app or a program to disguise their voice and have it sound like any, it could be somebody from the Midwest, it could be somebody with a Southern accent, it could be a male talking, but you hear a female voice on the phone. So those are great points to, to bring up is that, you know, it could be anybody on that other line. It, it could be somebody in your neighborhood, it could be some way halfway across the country or halfway across the world. But I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, it makes you think that, uh, you know, just as uh, technology advances, I guess so do the scams, you know? Yeah, exactly. Hey, Christian, when did you realize or start thinking that, hey, maybe this might not have been somebody from my bank and I better do some checking? When did you realize that? So I came to a realization about that I was potentially going through a scam when I finished sending the transfer of my money over and then right after that i was told by the so-and-so person that i would have to wait an hour before he would call me back and then we would reset my bank account because he said there was also three devices listed on my account that could still see everything that's actually occurring on it Wow, so they added themselves onto the account after that. Is that what they told you? They didn't say that they added themselves personally. They said there was three like other devices listed onto my account that are not located in my area and said that they could see everything and they're probably the ones that are doing the fraud that's happening on my account. Got it. And I was like, well, that's a red flag too, so I agree with you there. And then they were like, okay, so we'll get that fixed in an hour. And as soon as he said an hour, I'm like, wow, I thought the process could be quicker for resetting my account. So I was like, all right, well, he hung up and I was like, okay, let me just call one more time to the bank that I belong to to verify the process. And that's where things started going. Hey, Mark, would you agree that when Christian here is saying about devices, the bank might be telling them that somebody's calling in from a different number on the account or they're checking the IP address and it's different than Christian's IP address? Yeah, it sounds like based on, on what he's talking about is that there were probably either a computer or, or cell phones that were 
connecting to his bank account. So this is a very sophisticated activity by this ring. And Christian, I know you called the bank. They told you, you know, probably confirmed it was fraud. What were your next actions? Because I'd like to talk about that because it's very important what you did and the eventual outcome of this case. So I knew money's money and money can go quick, especially with how electronics work nowadays. So as soon as I called the bank that I belonged to and I asked whether this process was the correct process, and they're like, oh, that's not it. I was like, oh, well, that's not good. I was like, okay, well, right. what, what's the next step? What do I got to do? And they told me the, what the next process was. So after I talked to the bank and uh, was able to get the process going for what comes next after identifying that I potentially went through the scam, that the next step was after telling the bank, I told my relatives that I think I went through a scam, I, there's fraud, I don't know what's going on. My head was like confused. My parents though, you know, they were very helpful throughout the whole process as well. My father, who I appreciate so much, was actually very quick on it and called up a, a relative who is a retired detective now and he was able to actually helped me out with whatever connections he's gained through his career. And we were able to push forward for any other information that I can add to my case and what other steps that I can take that would help me out even more outside of just what my bank can do. And Christian, I have to commend you by acting quickly, notifying the bank, and then getting your father who reached out to another family member was absolutely the best thing you could have done because there's there's going to be a happy ending to this story and and that is the fact that uh that person that was in law enforcement reached out to me at around four o'clock in the afternoon when this occurred and when he explained what happened i immediately reached out to your bank an investigator from that bank and they did confirm that the wires went out you know, you provided us where the wire instructions uh, to what bank they were going to. So looking at the clock, I, I reached out to a West Coast uh, bank investigator from that bank where the fraudulent money was sent, and they were able to freeze the account. And uh, later that evening, that money hit the account, and it remained in that account, and it's frozen. And from uh, I know it's been a while, but uh, there is a process for these two banks to communicate and get the money back. But um, it looks like you're going to be getting the entire money that was uh, stolen from you back. Is that correct? Yep, that is that is correct. I mean, like you said, it, it is a process, and patience is definitely a factor you'll need throughout the whole process as uh, yeah. much of a headache it can be because, you know, when you see your money gone and you, you want it back as soon as possible. But, you know, there's there's two sides of the coin where everyone's got their own part to play. And listen, I'm just grateful for everybody that can help me out. And if I can get back what I ended up losing, then I would have no complaints whatsoever. And I appreciate anybody that helped me, my father, my relatives, the connections that my relative reached out to, you guys, everybody that helps me, I am just grateful for that. Hey, Mark, I want to go back a second. The person that you reached out to uh, assist to help Christian, was that person a member of the IFCI? 
Well, Mike, actually, both people I reached out to first at Wells Fargo um, at around 4 o'clock, and uh, she responded immediately, confirmed that the fraud had been already committed, and uh, they initiated what they call a, a wire recall. So that was my first contact, and then realizing the time of day and getting a hold of somebody at a different financial institution, I went to the IFCI contact list and uh, reached out to a West Coast contact. She immediately responded and uh, froze the account but allowed the wire transfer to go in, which is great. So that's why I love this organization. This is why we're all a part of it because, you know, it's about building relationships. It's about helping each other out and most importantly, helping victims of crimes. Hey, Mark, I agree 100%. The IFCI is 7,000 strong. We have such great members of our organization, provide best training and education, and they're there to help prevent our citizens from being victims of scams and frauds. It's not just here in the U.S. I mean, we have contacts around the world. So a lot of times these wire frauds, the money goes, it hits a U.S. bank, and then it goes overseas. And the reach of our organization is truly incredible. Hey, Christian, I got to ask you, for our listeners, would you have some advice you could give out to our listeners about maybe not being caught up in any these types of frauds and scams and when you get a call from your financial institution. I mean, you did a lot of right things on this just that it occurred, but do you have any advice for our, our listeners? Yeah, so if there's any advice, I'd say, I mean, like you guys said, I did work pretty quick. I mean, I'm happy that I did, but I would say, listen, if you hear anything over the phone, write whatever information you get from whoever you're talking to on a piece of paper so that way you have whatever you were told written down as well because if it's a scammer it's not being recorded for you as evidence you know because if you call a bank what tends to happen at least at my bank is that they are always like this phone call will be recorded when i talk to the scammers and i think about it i don't know if they said whether the phone call was being recorded or not at the time i was just too worried about the fraudulent activity that was going on my account. But it's always safe to just jot whatever information they provide you with because they provided me with information like bank accounts and stuff, which is what I used in order to transfer the money. And I was able to use that information and actually send it to whoever was able to provide me with any help. And then I also would like to say credit to you guys when you say like how strong your connections are because honestly, I think connections are also a huge thing. Whether it's just talking to your family member, because if you talk to a family member or somebody that you know, a friend or whatever, whoever's close, they might have the connection, you know, to reach out to somebody who has even more connections, because that's how it started. It started with my family member, and they reached out from one person to the next person, and then we ended up finding you guys, and it totally ended up working out to exactly how I needed it. And so what also ended up helping me was uh, that having a closer connection to family members actually provided me help too because after getting scammed and realizing that it's a scam it kind of is actually harder to answer the phone with the potential that it's being a scammer instead of your actual bank because there's still times where even now to this day like i still get phone calls listed from numbers of my bank that actually aren't my bank so what people tell me is it's almost like a phone book these scammers have so Make sure you're just always prepared to write any information down that you're given and be careful just who you're talking to. 
Yeah, Christian, some great points there. We do see that where if somebody's been successfully targeted, they will share that information with other people, other fraudsters, because they know the likelihood you know that you might fall for it again. And obviously, you're well-educated on this, and uh, I know you're not going to get targeted again or successfully. But, you know, Christian, one thing I want to point out too is going back to that caller ID screen. And, and I've always been given tips when I talk in the public is do not ever give personal information or do any type of financial transaction from an incoming call. And I'm just thinking about your scenario is the fraudsters using a spoofed number and making it look like Wells Fargo. But if you hung up right from the get-go and said, I'm going to call my local branch or take the phone number off your statement, you would be directed to your bank. Yeah. So, you know, that's, I think that's a great message to tell our audience is that don't trust any type of incoming call that's either asking for personal identifying information or telling you to do some sort of banking transaction. Hey, Mark, just to go what you said before about once you get involved in the scam, your name goes on a list. Don't they call that a sucker's list? You know, all the fraudsters share that information with others. Yeah, that's some of the slang I've heard. Um, But, yeah, you know, like I said, they know if somebody's been victimized, you know, that there's a fairly reasonable chance that they might be targeted and be successful again in a short period of time. So you start getting call after call sometimes after uh, the first time you've been successfully targeted. And Christian, I got to give you kudos. One of the things we always talk about is if you get a phone call or something in the mail or something online and you think it's a scam to talk to somebody. And you mentioned that. That's a great point. Talk to somebody and they're like, hey, I had the same thing happen to me. And then you find out, oh, you're right. It is a scam. So, you know, talking to other people, on things you're not quite sure of regarding these types of frauds and scams is a great idea. Yeah, people just got to tell themselves, listen, you, you'll feel stupid because you got scammed. I mean, that, that's just part of the process. I mean, for those who are unlucky that ended up falling for it. But you got to tell somebody. If you do it yourself, it's not going to be any easier. So let a little of the load off and tell somebody and get that help. It's a lot easier to reach out and ask for that help rather than doing it alone and not telling anybody just so you can save yourself the embarrassment. Yeah, Christian, you you must have been reading my mind because I have here on our notes here a very important statistic, and it says young adults are four times more likely to report fraud than an elder person or older American. So, and, you know, that's the difference in a, a generational gap here is that a lot of times older Americans feel uh, embarrassed or ashamed that this happened. And we keep telling everybody here, if you're a victim of a crime, it's not your fault. You were targeted by a criminal and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. But it definitely seems our younger Americans are getting that message and saying, you know what, I'm not going to hide this. I'm not going to you know, keep it a secret. I want it out there. I want to investigate it. And today you're out here sharing that story. Hopefully that other young Americans are not targeted successfully. Hey, Christian, again, you know, I mentioned before that a lot of people get caught up in these scams again on the suckers list. And I was more indicating there's a big lottery sweepstakes scam out there where the fraudsters share uh, information on these victims. But we really appreciate you coming on and uh, telling us about what happened with this scam with your financial institution. And I think by you coming on, you're going to help our listeners, those that get that call or that text from their bank knowing that hey there's things that you need to do talk to other people 
if you get caught up in it, react fast. Call your, your, your bank right away. So you're providing some really good information that you being on here is going to help other people. So thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, Mike, you're totally right on that point. I mean, like we were saying, like, technology is only getting better. Everything's going online. Everything's done through electronics. That only helps the scammers probably on their side, you know, because, like, for example, it was me. I was a phone call. Everything's done on my phone usually nowadays, right? So it's something fast to act on, and it's really easy to get targeted. And, Kristen, the other thing that I'm really surprised at is that uh, Mark called you back right away because when I call Mark, hey. you don't call me back. You don't call me back for like two days. Listen, so that, that's, listen, that's, that's awesome. That's not that. true. That's not true. The problem is, is you call me 50 times a day. Christian only called me once. So, uh, no, nah, I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out. We'll be happy when the money's in his bank account again. And, and like I said, you did a great job, Christian, uh, responding to this. And I got to reiterate what Mark said earlier. I do the same thing when I get a call from somebody, financial institution, bank, neighbor, friend. They got a scam going on. They need, you know, the money went here. I do the same thing. I use the IFCI directory and I'm calling somebody and saying, hey, I need a favor. Friend, send some money there or another bank send money there. And and uh, that's how we are able to work together and, and uh, stop these frauds and scams. All right. Well, Christian, we appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your experience um, and the fact that you were targeted by fraudsters. But you know what? You reacted quickly. You fought back. This time, the, the fraudsters weren't successful. And I appreciate as a young adult that you are spreading the word about this because here's a statistic I want our entire audience to hear is that 83% of young adults exposed to a fraud scheme will become victims. We need to change those numbers. We need to educate all of America, but also our young Americans, so they understand the type of frauds that are out there. So when they're targeted, they're not successful. So Christian, thanks for coming on the show and sharing this uh, story with us. And like I said, we wish you all the best. Mike, Mark, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, I mean, the amount of trust people showing you guys from my experience is beyond anything. You guys are doing such a great service to the rest of those people who are going through the same thing I'm going through, and I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you, Christian. Really appreciate you coming on today. Hey, Mark, from today's episode, you know, I was thinking two good points. Uh, the IFCI, how important it is, where you can reach out to people that could help, that are members of our organization, that could provide assistance to prevent these scams. And the other thing is bringing on individuals who are being targeted in these scams. So I'm asking, Mark, if somebody's a victim and we want to get them on the show, where, where should they go? How can they get a hold of us? Oh, great question. And I have the answer. It's IAFCI Protectors Podcast at gmail.com. Shoot us an email and uh, we, we love to hear from you. And also, I want to thank our listeners once again for being a part of this podcast and things are just going great. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And again, our group is growing incredibly. So let's keep spreading the word, telling people about the podcast and uh, help prevent fraud out here in our world. And Mike, where can our listeners go to subscribe or listen to our podcast? Hey, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, uh, any of the major outlets like Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast, go there, sign up. We want you on board. We hope you subscribe. So thank you very much. 
All right, with that, Mike, I'm going to sign off. I'm Mark Solomon from Connecticut. And this is Mike Carroll from Chicago. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guest opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.